that that's one hell of an optimistic poem to land on. <laughs> so optimistic. I had to just go all optimism. I am speechless. I'd like to thank both of our guests, Nadia Colburn, all the way from uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and the wonders of technology, uh, and Amalakov uh, from Portland, Oregon. Uh, you've been listening to Talking Earth. This is uh, KBO Portland that you've been listening to, 90.7 on your FM dial. Uh, thanks to everyone, and uh, thanks to our readers tonight. And everyone, a good night. You are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Bag and Baggage Productions Presents The Tempest, performing from Thursday, August 11th through Sunday, August 28th in Hillsboro. This bilingual adaptation of William Shakespeare's The Tempest will be performed throughout various parks in Hillsboro. The Tempest is a story of love, redemption, forgiveness, and the nature of storytelling. That's Bag and Baggage Production Presents The Tempest, performing from Thursday, August 11th through Sunday, August 28th in Hillsboro. More information can be found at kb.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. The Montevilla Jazz Festival, now in its ninth year, happens Friday, August 19th through Sunday, August 21st. Montevilla Jazz supports community building and enriches local culture by showcasing original music made right here in Portland. More festival information can be found at montevillajazz.org. This is KBOO Portland, community radio for the Pacific Northwest. Stay tuned at midnight for self-help radio. Right now, it's the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. And good evening, everybody. This is Fortunato. Welcome again to the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. We've got a couple classic radio plays to, to present this evening with uh, four really great movie stars. Uh, first up, 
one of the great screwball comedies. Now, screwball comedy back in the 30s, in the early talkies, is essentially a comedy about a divorced couple who get back together again. Sort of like a comedy of reuniting. So in 1940, Howard Hawks produces His Girl Friday. It's a remake of The Front Page by Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur. But this time, the reporter, Hilde Johnson, who wants to leave the uh, newspaper business and get out from under this domineering editor, uh, she, this time the reporter is played by Rosalind Russell. And the domineering editor is played by Cary Grant, and in this case, uh, her ex-husband. So let's listen now to the Screen Guild Theater radio presentation of Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell in His Girl Friday. It's the office of Walter Burns, managing editor of the Morning Post. The door opens to admit Hildy Johnson, ex-star reporter and former wife of Walter Burns, who has dropped in for a farewell visit with her one-time husband. Walter's busy talking on the phone and doesn't see Hildy. Don't give me that, Duffy. You drag your dirty carcass out of that juke joint. Find the governor. You are too in a juke joint. I can hear music through the phone. You tell him, Walter. Shut up. Now listen, Duffy. The governor has to sign that reprieve because if Earl Williams gets hung tomorrow morning, the morning post is washed up. Now find the governor. Of all the petrified pit. Hildy! Hello, Walter. Well, Hildy. Hildy. Hmm. Hmm. good to see you. Thanks, Walter. Let's see, uh, how long has it been? Well, I was in Reno six weeks, then Bermuda, oh, about four months, Walter. Ah, uh, Hildy, you look wonderful. Yep, you look like the latest edition, right off the press. And aren't you sorry your subscription's been canceled? <laughs> Hildy, I could cry. You did the wrong thing. You never should have divorced me. Makes a fellow lose all faith in himself. Gives him a feeling he wasn't wanted. Now, that's a beautiful understatement, but you see, that's what divorces are for. Nonsense, Hildy. You got the old-fashioned idea of divorces last till death do us part. Well, divorce doesn't mean anything today. Hildy, we've got something between us. Nothing can change. Oh, I suppose that's true in a way. Not a girl. I just wish you weren't such a stinker. Hmm? <laughs> now, why did you promise not to fight our divorce and then do everything you could to gum up the whole work? Oh, well, I was only a husband trying to protect his home. What home? What home? Don't you remember the home I promised you since we got back from our honeymoon five years ago? No, what a honeymoon. Instead of two weeks in Atlantic City, we spent two weeks in a caved-in coal mine with a man named Krupski. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that a whale of a story? Oh, look, what's the use of fighting, Hildy? You come back to work on the paper, and if you find we can't get along in a friendly way, we'll get married again. What? Oh, Walter, you are wonderful in a loathsome sort of way. Well, thanks be to heaven, you're no longer my husband and no longer my boss. Look, third finger, left hand. Hmm. Very pretty ring. Isn't it? Yep. Wonderful what you buy at the dime stores. Now, this was given to me, Walter. I am getting married. And I'm also getting as far away from the newspaper business as I can get. Really? Hmm. What do you do? Get some poor guy drunk and make Google eyes at him? Why, you bumble-headed baboon, if you don't right, stop All right, all right. Go ahead. Get married. I know his type. One of those matrimonial draft dodgers. <laughs> Where'd you meet this heel? On the beach in Bermuda. What is he, a beachcomber? What's his name? His name is Bruce Baldwin, and he's in the insurance business. Hmm. And he's kind, and he's sweet, and he treats me like a woman. How did I treat you? Like a water buffalo? (laughs) And he wants a home and children. Ooh, it sounds more like a guy I ought to marry. (laughs) Don't you think I ought to meet this paragon and, well, you know, sort of congratulate him? That's so sweet of you, Walter, but when you're sweet, somebody always gets loused up. Oh, now, Hildy, Hildy, you don't mean to say you're afraid to have me meet him. Afraid? Now, why should I be afraid? I'll call him in. He's right outside. Baldwin, Baldwin? I knew a Baldwin once. Pickpocket in St. Louis. Couldn't be. Oh, Bruce. Yes, Hildy? Come in, dear. Is, uh, is anything wrong? No, no, everything's under control. Bruce, I want you to shake hands with the best managing editor and the worst husband I ever had, Walter Burns. Well, this is a mighty fine pleasure, Mr. Burns. Well, thank you, Bruce. Give me back my hand, will you? Well, well, well. <laughs> You're the lucky man, huh? You know, Bruce certainly hate to lose, Hildy. She's a fine newspaper man. If I ever needed her, this is the time. Now, no, no, Walker, Walter. Earl Williams case, well, I'm Bruce. afraid I'm behind in the news, Mr. Burns. Uh, who is Earl Williams? Well, he was just a poor little bookkeeper who lost his job. He went screwy, traveling around the parks, making soapbox speeches. A cop came to quiet him down, Bruce. Yeah, Williams shot the cop, and tomorrow morning, Williams hangs. Well, if Williams was crazy when he did it, why doesn't the state put him away? No, because there's an election coming up in a few days, and the mayor is using the gallows for a bandwagon. Yeah, the mayor would hang his own grandmother to be re-elected. Well, I'm certainly glad you told me. I won't vote for him. Yeah, uh, that's 
spoken like a true rover boy, Bruce. Now, look, Walter. Don't they have to have another expert examine Williams before they hang him? Sure. A guy named Engelhoff is going to do it. He'll say Williams is sane just like the rest. Well, suppose he does. Well, what do you mean, Hildy? Now, look, Walter. Why don't you get an interview with Earl Williams? Uh-huh. Then print Engelhoff's statement. Yeah, yeah. And right alongside of it, you know, double columns. Yeah, yeah, stuff. go on. Uh, you run the Williams interview. Uh-huh. And it says he's sane, yeah. and the interview shows he's goofy. Oh, Hildy, it's wonderful. You could do it. You could save that poor devil's life. Yes, I know. I. Oh, no, I couldn't, Walter. No, Bruce and I are taking the 4 o'clock train to his home in Albany. Now, Hildy, we could take the 6 o'clock train if it would save a man's life. No, hey, Bruce. Bruce. No, Bruce, I am through with this crazy business. Well, that's right. Now, look, Brucey boy, I'll tell you what. You persuade Hildy to do this story, you can write yourself a nice fat policy for oh, me. Oh, Mr. Burns, I couldn't use my wife for business purposes. <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Bruce. What's the commission on a nice fat policy of, say, uh... $10,000, No, let's quick. say $100,000. Too quick. Oh, $100,000. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> well, the commission on that would be a thousand. Bruce, Bruce, we could use the $1,000. Now, how long would it take to have Walter examined? Oh, I could get a company doctor here in 10 minutes. How about it, Tiger? Oh, I thought you meant me. Okay, okay, get the company All right, all right, it's a deal. Now, look, Bruce, I'll be in the press room of the criminal courts building. Mm -hmm. That's right by the jail where they've got Williams. Now, you phone me as soon as you've got Walter's check, and be sure it's certified. Maybe you'd like my fingerprints, too. (laughs) No, thanks. I've still got those. How many have you got on you? Five hundred dollars. It'll be safer with me. But Hildy... Now, now, really, dear, I know what I'm doing. Mr. Burns might get you into a crap game. But, Hildy, I don't gamble. Darling, I knew a little man once who didn't drink till he met Walter Burns. Now they've got him in a bottle at Harvard. <laughs> now, let me have the money, dear. Oh, well, please. all right, here. Thank you, darling. Now, Walter, no tricks. No tricks, Hildy. Honest, I cross my heart. I'll even go further than that. I know. You'll double-cross mine. <laughs> Criminal Court's press room. Who? Hey, Hildy, it's for you. Thanks, Jake. Hildy Johnson speaking. Oh, hello, Bruce. You got the check? Certified? Oh, fine, dear. Wait a minute, though. Maybe it isn't so fine. Look, Bruce, put the check in your hat. In your hat, dear. Yeah, I know it sounds silly, Bruce, but, but do it for me. And don't let Mr. Burns see you. That's fine, dear. Now go right down to the railroad station and wait for me. I'll be there just as soon as I can. Hello, Walter Burns speaking. Who? Oh, yes, Louis. Look, I've got a job for you. No, you don't have to croak anybody. All you have to do is pick up a beefy gent by the name of Bruce Baldwin at the railroad station. He's got my certified check in his wallet. And I want that check back, you understand? Great. Oh, oh, Louis. You think you could fix it so that Mr. Baldwin would be very busy around 4 o'clock? Fine, thanks. Hello, Hilda Johnson speaking. Yes, Bruce. Where are you? You're what? In jail? For stealing whose watch? His name is Louie. Now, listen, don't worry, dear. Just hang up and I'll get you out of there right away. That double-faced, triple-crossing, two-timing snake. I'll show him he can. Hello? Hello, Walter. I've got some news for you. Now, get this, you double-crossing chimpanzee. If I ever lay my two hands on you again, I'll hammer that monkey skull of yours so hard it'll ring like a Chinese gong. Oh, you don't, don't you? Well, maybe Louie can tell you why Bruce is in jail for stealing somebody's watch. Goodbye, you run over heel. I'm going to Albany, and you can go to... Well, boys, you heard it. So long, you copy slaves. Ah, you leaving, Hildy? It does my heart good to hear Walter Burns told of. When we see you again, Hildy. You in the criminal courts building are never going to see me again, Jake. I'm going to be a wife and not a news-getting machine for a two-faced maniac. I'm never even going to read a newspaper again. I'm going to Albany and settle the... Hey, what's that? Hey, it's a jailbreak. Hey, look, it's Williams. He's crawling along the edge of that roof there. Get out of my way. Hello. Murphy speaking. Give me the desk. Hey, Mike, get this. Earl Williams. Hello, Shut up, you lugged and get this. Earl Williams just escaped from the county jail. Yes, yes, don't worry, Walter. Hilda's on the job. I thought you were on the job. Mind that? What's the story? You'll get it when you pay me the five hundred. That money belongs to Bruce. Oh, you'll get it back. I swear it on my mother's grave. All right, wait. Just a minute. Your mother's alive. All right, on my grandmother's grave. Don't be so technical. Well, send over the money and you get the story. Otherwise, no soap. What's the matter with you, Hildy? Why worry about a little money? I'll see if you get it right away. Hold the wire a second. Louis. Yeah, boys. I need five hundred dollars worth of counterfeit money. No, I just happen to have it on me. Thanks. 
Hello, Hilly. The money's on the way. Louie's starting right now. He'll be there with the 515 minutes. He's got to pass the bank anyway. Okay, Walter. Wait a minute. It's after 3 o'clock. The banks are closed. Not to Louie. Now, listen, Hilly. While you're waiting, see if you can pick up an eyewitness. Okay, Walter. I'll call you back a little later. <whistles> what a day. Uh, come in here, Fred. I think we can... Oh, oh, hello, Miss Johnson. I thought this room was vacant. Greetings, Sheriff Hartwell. Hello, Hildy. And the mayor, too. Well, well, I imagine after what's happened, you two boys want to be alone. We'll see you on the front page. Huh. Did you hear that, Sheriff? This blunder of yours will make me the laughing stock of the town. No, Mayor. Williams can't get away. If he does, I'm absolutely washed up in next week's election. Why, his hanging was one of my solemn campaign promises. What do you want? My name is Petty Pump. I don't care who you are. I said, what do you want? I'm looking for Sheriff Peter B. Hartwell. I'm the mayor. He's the sheriff. Well, go away, Mr. Pettibone. I'm busy. But, Sheriff, I've got a message for you from the governor. It's a reprieve for Earl Williams. What? What does this mean, Sheriff? You promised me there wasn't going to be a reprieve. Oh, no, Fred. How did I Mr. know? Mr. Pettibone, who else was there when the governor gave you that reprieve? Why, nobody, Mayor. He was out fishing. Hmm. Hello. Yes, yes, this is the sheriff. What? Holy Moses. Fred, the rifle squad has Williams trapped right up on the roof. Cover up that mouthpiece. Listen, you, Mr. Petty Bone. Bone. You never arrive at this reprieve. Yes, but I... Here's a hundred bucks that says you didn't. You understand you never brought this reprieve. Well, I don't know whether my wife would like Here, you got her this address. Now, you forget you ever had a wife. You told the mayor sent you. Goodbye. Fred, the captain in charge of the rifle squad is still on the phone. Good. Well, what'll I tell him to do about Williams? You tell him to shoot the kill. I'm back in the press room. I just called to say goodbye. Oh, you got the money? Yes, Louie brought the 500, and I'm going to get Bruce out of jail on the way to the railroad station. No hard feelings, Hildy. No, no, of course there's no hard feelings. Walter. What's the matter? There's someone at the window. He crawled down from the roof. Walter, listen. Drop that phone. Williams. Stand back. Put that gun down, Earl. No, I won't. You're not going to shoot me, Earl. Why, I'm your friend. I don't believe you. You're going to tell them I'm here, so they'll hang me. Earl, Earl, put down that gun. I'm going to kill you. Earl! Oh, I guess I used all the shells. I can't shoot you. I can't shoot anybody. Oh, Earl, you must never do that again. Give me that gun. Oh, I'm awful tired. I couldn't go through another day like this. I couldn't go through the last minute. Well, they'll hang me now, right out there, right through the gallows. No, 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 they won't. No. Now, listen, don't worry, Earl. I'll save you. If there were only some place to... Earl, get in that desk. Oh, no, no, it's... No, no, it isn't too late. The desk, the other reporters won't find you in there. Get in the big roller-top desk and pull the lid down. Come on, come on, Earl, get in. Well, all right. You can trust me, Earl. Now, listen, pull the lid down and remember, whatever happens, don't make a sound. Hello. Hello, Walter. Are you still there? Listen, I'm all right. I really am. Now, listen, stick on that hat of yours and beat it over here as fast as you can. I've got the hottest exclusive story in town wrapped up in a roller-top desk. Mr. Burns, believe it or not, your ace reporter, Hildy Johnson, has just captured Earl Williams. And so that was part one of His Girl Friday, Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell, an adaptation uh, of a movie adaptation. Let me see. Let me get this right. First was the stage play by Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur. Very successful. Brings Hecht to Hollywood. Um, Hecht had always wanted to be like a legitimate writer, you know, making novels and short stories and magazines and stuff. But it just seemed like his best work was in doctoring movies and helping movies have a more uh, uh, fluid uh, narrative or an inventive narrative that keeps the audience interest. So he could really add entertainment value to a movie. And so this is from his original play, um, Front Page. So here's Howard Hawks, 1940. And he recasts the part of the reporter, Pildy Johnson, with uh, Rosalind Russell. And then the managing editor is now her ex-husband, played by Cary Grant. Back in these days, there was a, a very close relationship between uh, radio and the movies. And so uh, radio networks set up headquarters in Los Angeles. 
And so movie stars could just come by and make appearances. And it's a kind of a cool gig because, you know, they already know the part. They just got to read it off. And so you really see, uh, or at least you hear how much fun Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell are having and here doing this uh, in front of a live audience, too. So it's kind of a unique moment to listen to. So we'll be back with part two of His Girl Friday with Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell at first. Evening, every night you come and you find me Must you always remind me that my gal is gone Oh, the evening, can't you see I'm deep in your power Every minute seems like an hour since my gal is gone Shadows fall on the wall That's the time I meet your kisses both the wrong Even though I sigh, how can I go on? Take me evening, let me sleep the great dawn and break I don't care if I don't awake since my gal is gone. on the vocals there, backed up by Count Basie Evening. This is Gremlin Time on Community Radio KBO Portland. So let's waste no more time and return to His Girl Friday with Carrie Grant and Rosalind Russell. Mm-hmm. 
short time later, and Walter, in response to Hilda's excited summons, has arrived at the press room of the criminal courts building. He's bending over the roll-top desk where Hilda has hidden the escaped Earl Williams. Hilda, having completely forgotten that Bruce Baldwin, her fiancé, is still waiting for her to get him out of jail, is pounding out her story on the typewriter. Oh, you got Hildy and going to smear it over the front page. Earl Williams captured by the morning post. Hey, Williams, how are you doing in there? Let me out. I can't stand it. Keep quiet. I kept a blonde in there for three days. Once, what have you got to squawk about? Maybe he wants you to put the blonde back. <laughs> Hello? Yep, Duffy. Duffy, here's your lead for that story. The blackest page in American history. You got that? Set it up. I'll shoot you the copy just as fast as Hildy pounds it out. And Walter, Duffy. I just happened to think. Hello, Duffy. You still there? All right, look. Send over Butch and a dozen strong arm guys. I want to move Williams and the desk out of here. Walter, I've got to go. Get on out the window with pulleys, you dope. Can you imagine that? Hey, Hildy, where do you think you're going? I've got to get Bruce out of jail. Are you crazy? How can you worry about a man who's resting in a nice, quiet police station while this is going on? Hildy, this is war. You can't desert me. I've got to collect Bruce and catch that train. We're getting married. You drooling idiot. There's 365 days in a year you didn't get married. How many times you got a murderer locked up in a desk? Once in a lifetime. Hildy, you've kicked over the city hall like an apricot. You've got the man, the sheriff, backed against the wall. This isn't just a newspaper story, it's a career. And you stand there worrying about getting married. Gee, Walter, I, I never figured it that way. Why, Hildy, they'll be naming streets after you. They'll be statues of you in the park. The radio will be after you. The movies. By tomorrow morning, I bet you there's a Hildy Johnson to go. I can see the billboards now. It says, line up with Hildy Johnson. Oh, Walter, stop that hammock. We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, now you're talking. Now, as soon as Butch and the boys get here, we'll move Williams and the desk over to my office. Now, sit down that typewriter. Get the story rolling. All right, Walter. Can I call the mayor a bird of prey? Call him anything you like. Give him the works. What the blaze has happened to Butch? Why doesn't he... Is that you, Butch? No, it's me. Oh, it's a bat, you brutes. Now, what the devil do you want? Why don't you stay in jail? Well, I've got to talk to Hildy. Well, come on in. i got to keep this door shut. Hildy? Uh, Hildy? What? Oh, Bruce! How did you get out of jail? Well, not through any help of yours. Will you please tell me... I'd be trying you to tell him nothing. He's a spy, Hildy. Now, you keep out of this. Hello? Yes, it's Walter Burns. Uh, Hildy, what happened to a you? A story, Bruce, a wonderful story. Now, wait a minute, Butch. What do you mean you You know what I over? had to do, Hildy? I had to wire home for $100. Really, I'm they sorry, go. Bruce. Really, here's your 500 you gave me to keep. I'll explain everything what? later. Now, listen, Butch, I'm depending on you. Wait a second. Hildy, will you please get going on that story? Yes, Walter, excuse me, But, Bruce, Hildy, please. this isn't the money I gave oh, you. I know, I know. I spent that. I got this from Walter. Now, get this straight, Butch. You make tracks over here. Hildy, dear, I'm taking that 9 o'clock train. And don't forget to bring your gang. Are you coming to Albany with well, me, Hildy? Holding on your Butch. Don't let me down. Did you hear me? I said, are you coming? I'm trying to write. Why, Hildy. Had a girl, Hildy. Now, you shut up, Mr. Burns. What? You're doing all this to her. Hildy, I don't think you love me oh, at all. Darn it, I broke my nail. Yeah, I see what you did. You broke her nail. I see what you are now. You're just a reporter. A story means more to you than a clean, honest life in Albany. Oh. But in case you come to your senses, I'll be at the station waiting for the 9 o'clock train. Goodbye. Now, can you imagine a guy like that? Now, come on, come on, Hildy. Keep that typewriter hot. Now, look here, you. I can't stay in here any longer. Hey, Williams, get back in that desk, you mock turtle, and stay there. Don't come out again unless you hear three knocks. Like that. Now, you got that? Good. Now, sit tight. Now, how's it coming, Hildy? Pretty good. Where's Bruce? 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 Who's Bruce? Oh, Bruce! He went out to get a cup of coffee. Oh, is he coming back? I didn't hear what he said. Sure, he's coming back. Oh. Hildy, he'll be back any minute. Keep that coffee rolling. <laughs> Well, where is Duffy? Oh, he is? All right, all right. When he comes back, trying to get Malone, this boy. I got a hunch Butch is ratted on us. Call me back. Well, what have you got, Hildy? And while hundreds of the sheriff's relatives spread their reign of terror, Earl Williams was lur lurking just 20 yards away. All right, pick Meanwhile, up Meanwhile, the mayor, you... You double what are you in there for? I mean you, you backfiring blackout. I just remembered. Remember what? Bruce isn't coming back here at all. He said he was taking the 9 o'clock train. Oh, well, in that case, he's gone by now. Don't sit there like a frozen robin. Get on with the story. What a sap I am. Yes, well, now you've had a nice rest. Get back to work. I'm not going back to work, Walter Bain. I'm still... Uh, no, listen to me. I've still got 10 minutes to meet Bruce and catch the 9 o'clock train, and I'm going. Now, Hilly, don't open that door. I'm going to Bruce. Hilly, don't. Just don't try and stop me, that's all. Oh, hello, Hilly. Oh, hello, Sheriff. We were just looking for you. Listen, Sheriff, I've got a train to catch. Better hold it, Sheriff. Yeah, she and Walter Burns are cooking up something. Now, wait a minute, boys. What do you mean by breaking in here like this? Oh, let go of me, will you? Ask her where Williams is. Hildy doesn't know anything. Hildy, I want you to talk. All right, what do you want me to say? What do you know about Earl Williams? What do you know about Earl Williams? No, I've got ways of making you talk. Hildy, you're under arrest. And you too, Burns. Who's under arrest? Listen, you insignificant, square-toed, droop-snooted spy. Do you realize what you're doing? I'll show you what I'm doing. Burns, you're obstructing justice, and I'm going to see that you're fined $10,000. You'll see nothing of the kind to work. And I'm going to begin by impounding the morning post property. Is that roller-top desk yours? No! Yeah! 
Why, of course it is, Hildy. Why lie to the sheriff? Huh? Sheriff, I dare you to move that desk out of here. Oh, why, yes, Sheriff. You just dare move it out. Now, I warn you, Sheriff, you touch this desk, you'll be sued. Oh. What was that? There's someone in that desk. No, it was just my knees knocking, Sheriff. You've got Williams in that desk. Stand back, everybody. Get out your guns, men. Now, wait a minute. Don't shoot him. He's harmless. Williams is a dangerous criminal. Shoot right through the desk. No. Don't stop it. Keep away from that pole. You want to get a scoop, you beetle-faced mongoose? Everybody aim at the center. When I say three... That's murder. One, two... Hello, Daily Bulletin. Hold the press. And... Williams! I couldn't stay on there any longer, Miss Hildy. Go ahead, Sheriff. I give up. Go ahead. Shoot me. He's unarmed, boys. We got him. Flash, Earl Williams, Captain Criminal Court's press room. Flash, Earl Williams. Men coming, boys. Flash, Williams in desperate struggle, but police overpowered him. Take him away, boys. I'll be with you as soon as I finish with these two. Come on, Williams. Ah, Duffy, the morning post just turned Williams over to the sheriff. Oh, give me that phone, Burns. Well, Sheriff, what's all the excitement? We got Williams, Mayor. Caught these two red-handed trying to kidnap him. Splendid, Sheriff. I think they both get ten years for this. Anytime you think you can lick the morning post, Mayor, it's time for you to get out of town. Yeah, we've been in worse jams than this, haven't we, Hildy? No, Walter, we haven't. Thanks, Ed. You forget the power that always watches over the morning post, Mayor. Hello, Duffy, get my lawyer. All the lawyers in the world are trying to... I mean, who is this man? Why, don't you remember me, Mayor? I'm the man that brought you the Earl Williams reprieve. Wait a minute. You don't mean a reprieve from the government. Of course not. You... Oh, but of course, yes. And here's your money back, Mayor. My wife said I shouldn't take bribes. Bribes? Who was trying to bribe you? A hundred dollars. That's all he gives me. Well, the man's me. an imposter. I never... Besides, he's insane. Uh. You're both another... Why, uh, I I gave them the Earl Williams reprieve hours ago, but they gave it right back to me and a hundred dollars to forget all about it. Uh-huh, so you would hang an innocent man, would you? Trying to swing an election with a rope, eh? No, 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 I wouldn't hang an innocent man. <laughs> My dear girl, you, you've got the wrong attitude. My dear man, Williams almost got the wrong altitude. Now, let's forget this little incident. Come along, Sheriff. We'll take dear Mr. Pettibone over to the warden's office and deliver this reprieve ourselves. I'm sure it's all a little misunderstanding that might happen to anyone. That was a tight squeeze, Walter. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Give me Duffy. Oh, of course, there was the time we stole old lady Haggerty's stomach off the coroner's table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've had some small times, Hildy. Million laughs. But it's all over and you're doing the wise thing, Hildy. The newspaper game is a bad business. Well, well, you better get going. Meet Bruce. Oh. Oh, gee, Bruce is gone by this time. Well, send him a wire, honey. Meet him in Albany. You really mean that, Walter? Sure, I mean it. Now, can't you understand I'm doing something noble for once in my life? Get out of here, honey, before I change my mind. Walter, gee, listen a minute, will you? I... Now, now, I know I made fun of Bruce. I know I got him in Dutch. You know why? Why, Walter? Uh, because I was jealous of him. You were? Yes. Yes, because he can give you the sort of life you want, Hildy. I'm sorry. I promise you Bruce will have no more trouble. Well, I, you know, I could stay and do the story and take the train in the morning. No, no, no. Forget I... it. Forget it. You better go. Hello, Duffy. Read me what you got so far. I'll get the other phone. Hello. Yes, this is Hildy Johnson. The 43rd Street Police Station. Did you say Bruce Baldwin? Arrested again? For passing counterfeit money. Oh, oh, hold on, Duffy. A little trouble coming up on this end. You sure it's counterfeit? And he says I gave it to him. Oh, I see. Goodbye. Now, 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 Hildy, I think I can explain. I don't blame you for being mad and... Well, if you're going to throw that telephone at me, go ahead. Get it over with. Oh, Walter, you darling. Huh? Oh, honey. What are you crying about? Oh, now, you never cried before. Oh, I thought you really wanted me to go away with Bruce. I thought you didn't love me. Oh. Now, what were you thinking with, honey? I don't know. Well, what are you standing there gawking for? Send Louis down to the jail and give sure. Bruce some honest money so he can go back to Albany where yes. he belongs. Yes, yes. Hello, Duffy. Everything's fine now. Hilly and I are coming back to the office. No, she's not quitting. We're going to be married again. Walter, can we go on a honeymoon this time? Certainly, darling. Gee. Duffy, you can be married again. Well, I'm on my honeymoon. Atlantic City, Walter. Yeah, Atlantic City, Hildy. A whole two weeks, Walter. Certainly, a whole two... Wait a minute. What's that, Duffy? A strike? What strike? In Albany? Oh, and I can't all ask right, you to go All right, all right. We'll honeymoon in Albany. Fine, fine. Hey, Hildy. What? Well, I just saw this on me. 
Albany. What is it, Walter? Hey, I wonder if Bruce has got a spare room. <laughs> From uh, March of 1941, we had uh, Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell in a uh, a radio adaptation of their movie, uh, His Girl Friday, from 1940, directed by Howard Hawks. You're listening to uh, Gremlin Time here on uh, Community Radio, KBOO Portland. Let's see, we've got another story set up. Now, this one uh, stars Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, and they were married at this time. They were a very famous celebrity couple. Uh, they were also in the, the boat crowd, and so kind of playing off of that is uh, this series that they did for a while called Bold Venture. They did about 32 uh, episodes, and then they stopped. I think Bogart just didn't care to do it any longer, but uh, they really were pretty good. Um, they're set in Havana, and uh, their boat is called the Bold Venture, but he's got this hotel, and he's married to uh, this gal whose name is Sailor, or prefers to be called Sailor, played by Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart. So this episode is called The Blue Moon. And a tale of mystery and intrigue. Slate Shannon. That's right. And this is Miss Duval. I'm very happy. Then I'm happy too. Hello. My name is Cameron. I have a plantation outside of San Tomas. Sugar. Sugar? For the time being, just call me Sailor. What can we do for you, Mr. Cameron? I've never come to a man and and begged before in my life. Well, then you've come to the wrong man. You don't have to beg anything from me. It's about a girl. A young girl, wild, impetuous, and spoiled. No, thanks. Mr. Shannon already has one. Sailor, why don't you go and put a new point in our desk pen? Where am I going to get a new point? Post office is closed. Please. It's about my daughter. It's about Kathy. Kathy and the Blue Moon. Oh, yes. There's a gambling ship in the bay called the Blue Moon. Look, if you're a man in trouble, I'll listen to you. If all you want to do is hire someone to spank your daughter for gambling, get yourself somebody else. Because nobody else can do what I want you to do. You haven't told Slate yet what it is. Maybe he won't Do you mind if I make my own decision, Sailor? Go ahead, Mr. Cameron. Kathy's involved with a man named Norton. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. He owns the Blue Moon. How did your daughter get mixed up with a guy like that? I don't know. All I know is that since she's met him, she's... Well, she's changed. She's a stranger to me. She's on that boat all the time. I have an easy solution. Why don't you just tell Mr. Norton to buy your daughter from the boat? I've tried that. He laughed in my face. He told me... Hold it a minute. Sailor, there's a guy over there at the cigar counter. Take care of him. Well, go ahead, sailor. I'll remember every word Mr. Cameron says and tell you later. All right, Cameron? Well, Norton knows something about Kathy I don't. I know my daughter. It's more than just a lust for gambling. Please, will you help me, Shannon? Go there, talk to Kathy. Convince her that she she need never go back to that ship again. Please, please, I'll, I'll give you anything. Put your wallet back. Your daughter's in trouble with Norton? I'll, I'll try to straighten her out. You don't understand, Shannon. I'm a rich man. When I bring Kathy back, you'll give me a box of lump sugar? You're not too loud, Paul. You disturb our boss. Tell Greg I want to see him. Our boss sleeps. His brain goes all the time. He needs rest. Wake him up, Mickey. I've got something for him. I don't wake up, boss, till he asks me. Wake me up, Mickey. Who wants me? It's your croupier, Paul. The wheel jockey says he's got something. He can keep it to himself till you get your share of sleep, boss. Let him in. Our boss says for me to let you in. I'll let... Uh, you have something for me, Paul? Well, give it to me, but make it tender, because I just woke up. I uh, was in Shannon's place a little while ago. And you had fun. Rub my neck, Mickey. There's a crick in it. Yeah, thanks, boss. Ah. Oh, that's good. That's very good. There was someone else there. Kathy Cameron's father. Now the other side, Mickey. Ah. He 
he's sick with worry about his daughter. Wants Shannon to take her away from you. You three must have made a jolly group. They were so wrapped up in it, Shannon, his girl, Cameron, they thought all I wanted was to buy a pack of cigarettes. You're a good boy, Paul. The thing of many talents. Shannon's coming out here to the boat. I thought you'd need to know. Paul's a good boy, isn't he, Mickey? I'm better for you, boss. He can't do the things for you I can do. He can't... Of course he can't, Mickey. Nobody can. That's why I keep you around, isn't it? See? See? That's why he keeps me around. That's why... Sure, Mickey. (laughs) So they want to take Kathy away from me. And Kathy will never leave me. Because I fixed it that way, didn't I, boss? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you threw yourself in front of her car because she thought she'd killed you. That's why you've got to keep out of her sight, because for as long as she thinks you don't exist, she belongs to me, till I use her up. Her and her daddy's money. And so clean. She loses it to me at the roulette table. Clean and legitimate. Boss, this Shannon could... No one's going to spoil it, Mickey. Not a well-paying corpse like you, I give you my word. Look through the porthole, Greg. That's Shannon's boat coming alongside. Go hold his hand, Paul. Then bring him to me. I want to tell him how he can't part two sweethearts like Kathy and me. You do me and my gambling ship great honor, Mr. Duval, Mr. Shannon. Your boy brought us to you. We asked for Kathy Cameron. He didn't want to deny me the pleasure of meeting you two. He has standing orders to deliver to me first the illustrious, the renowned. You see, Slate, I keep telling you that's what we are. You never believe me. Go on, Mr. Norton. You were saying... That I would have shuddered if you came aboard and deprived me of yourselves. Gee, you're smooth, Mr. Norton. The way you talk. The waxed mustache. That's the only word for you. Smooth. So you saved yourself a shudder, Norton. Now, is it all right if we go find Kathy? She may not care for you disturbing her at the gambling table. Now, what did you want with Miss Cameron? We're going to take her back to Havana with us, Norton, because her father's lonesome for her. He's a funny guy. He thinks his daughter ought to spend more time at home. Any objections? Uh, I only asked you because you stuck your nose in. (laughs) No objections. I only fear for you. You think you can stop me? I know I can. However, Miss Cameron is in the casino on A deck. And uh, please sign the guest book. I'll want something to remember you by. Number 12 on the black. Black page, 12 page. Miss Cameron? What? Mind if we talk to you? Place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Place your bets. Mind if we talk to you? Go away. I can't do that, Miss Cameron. Why don't you two try the poop deck? It's a good place to jump from. Jump from? Oh, your preposition is dangling, Kathy. Your father must have picked the wrong finishing school for you. My father? Oh, you made me miss my bet. Sailor. I know. You want me to kibitz that hot game of old maid over there. Come on, Kathy. Let's get some air, you and I. You're hurting my arm. It's an advice I use to make myself clear. Come on. I made a suggestion to you before concerning the poop deck. Or if that doesn't suit you, why don't you try it from this rail? You're just a kid, Kathy. You've got to grow up a little more before that kind of talk becomes you. Oh, you think I'm a kid. Nineteen, twenty. Kids that old and women over 40 use lipstick the way you do. Another suggestion. A girl 19 is better for you. Want to know why? I'll put my arms around you and show you. Hey, take it easy. And hold you. Okay, Norton. Yeah! (laughs) Did you notice, Miss Cameron? I only had to do it once. Right in back of the neck. Get him out of here. I think I'll give him back to Miss Duval. (laughs) Don't you think I'm considerate? Mr. Slate, he stood on moonlit deck. Man from behind hit him in he neck. Lady sailor, she bring from ship blue moon. Her winnings to date, Mr. Slate in a swoon. 
Because they tried to do one very good deed Bring daughter back to father who cried his need He waved at them a face full of war Mr. Slate, he said, don't cry, I go You see, Slate, you didn't make such a hobby of helping people This never would have happened to you yeah, That's just what a fellow needs at a time like this, sailor A kind word Now you are hurt, Mr. Slate Because you love a good deed too much <laughs> Yeah I live for the moment when I can bring a wandering girl back to her daddy. Let Norton have her. I don't think I could go through this again. You go through with it. Your neck is my neck. I read that once in a poem. I'm going back to the Blue Moon, sailor. Mend me real nice because I got some things to do there. I want to look good. Uh-uh. If you go back, they'll kill you. Those were Norton's parting words to me. He said, tell him not to come back. Next time, I'll give them to you in pieces. You're a complicated man, Slate. I could never put you back together again. Give me another whiff of your smelling salt, sailor. That ringing noise is back in my skull. You're a ham bone. That's the telephone. Shannon's place, Sailor Duval. Mr. Shannon, please. Oh, uh-huh. It's for you, Slate, the man who grows sugar. He's in a tizzy. Anyway, he makes sounds like a tizzy. I'll let you know. Slate Shannon speaking. Forget it, Mr. Shannon. Forget ever I've called on you. I don't need you any longer. Where are you, Mr. Cameron? I'm at home. But you're not to come here. You're not to... Get me a clean shirt, sailor. I've got to see a man who doesn't need me. What's this all about, Cameron? Did anyone follow you here? I didn't bother to look. Let's go inside. If they followed inside. you... Inside. Norton's got you scared, too, huh? You don't know what you're doing coming here. Who did he threaten? You or your daughter? Get out of here. You made a big noise when I first met you, Cameron. Now all I hear is chicken. Your daughter needs help. What happened to all your worry about her? I'll kill you. I'll kill you. You're kidding. Oh, let go of me. You're going to oh. calm down. Hey, that's better. Now, don't let us throw you. It's just a matter of age and condition. They'll kill her. Now, they won't kill her. That's not what you're afraid of. Yes, yes. They're taking all your money through her. Killing you would be a safer investment. That way, they'd get the money a lot faster. I... I don't want to die. Neither do I. You started something with me. Now it's got to be finished. And that was part one of The Blue Moon, an episode of Bold Venture, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. I think that's the voice of Thomas Gomez as the chief of villain. It, it seems very familiar. It's almost like Raymond Burr, but it's not Raymond Burr. And it's not Paul Freed, so I don't know. So uh, this was a, a series that Bogart and Bacall did you know, back in 1949, 1950. They did about 32 of them. They're all pretty, pretty good. So let's get on back to Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, The Blue Moon. I give you two words, Slate. You're crazy. Yeah, I get psychotic when I'm beat over the head. Now look, it's three o'clock in the morning. Go get some sleep. I've gotten better prizes than you on the bottom of a crackerjack box. Why don't you do what I tell you? Look, if you tried to handle the bold venture now, you'd drive her into the rocks. In your condition, you... have got a condition. The man said he'd kill you if you came out to the blue moon again. He said that... Aren't you going to help me aboard our boat? All right. Sometimes I wonder why I even bother. I had a spaniel once who had better manners than you. Talk to me, Slate. Out of the way. You're going to give me trouble. Who are you talking to? Out of the way. Taylor. What do you want? Come here. Look at the motor. Wires all over the place. Someone's... Someone's come aboard. Who's there? I can't see your face. Who is it? But you can see my gun, can't you? Who are you? How about you, Mr. Vall? Can you see it? Uh, move it a little to the left. 
Thanks. My, it's pretty in the moonlight. If you get that boat fixed, take it north. If you take it south, you might get too close to the blue moon. Then everything will blow up in your face. I've been pushed around long enough. I've got about... And next time, I'll put the bullet into your head, Shannon, instead of into the woodwork of your boat. Want to try? No? <laughs> See? You can be sensible. Good night, mechanics. You do yourself nicely on my money, Paul. Your apartment, charming. The decor, excellent taste. And now that I've performed the amenities, you have something for me? It'll take Shannon a long time to fix his boat. And you convinced him not to annoy us anymore? Mm, it's hard to tell with a man like Shannon. Yes, you're ever so right. And it's up to you, my dear Kathy. If Shannon should discover you're a murderess, a hit-and-run killer, they'd take you away from me. And that would make you desolate, wouldn't it? You wanted me to do something? Just tell me. Don't claw at me like a fat cat. Emotions have their way with you, don't they, my dear? All right. Call Shannon's place. Ask for Miss Duval. Tell her to come here because you need her so desperately. In ten minutes. You do need her, Kathy. So you won't waste your precious life away in prison. This is Kathy, Miss Duval. Kathy Cameron. Is Mr. Shannon there? No, he's sitting up with a sick boat. He's half not. Good. Listen, you must come here alone. 16 Paseo Gomez, apartment 12. In 10 minutes, if it matters to you whether I live. Well, that's the other side of town. How do I get there this time of night? There are no cabs. What do I do? Wave a wand over a pumpkin? Oh, you must. Please, find a way. Well, maybe King Moses will lend me his jalopy. What's wrong, Kathy? Why do you In want... In ten minutes, Mr. Val. The way you wanted it, Craig? Your choice of words was exquisite, my dear. And it is a matter of whether you live. <laughs> Hey, watch out, you crazy fool. Look, I, I didn't see you. I... Oh, you're hurt, aren't you? I'll go get help. Hey there. Am I glad to see somebody? This man... Ran... I saw what happened. Get a doctor, will you? Your car was weaving from side to side. You ran this man down. What are you talking about? He just ran out in front of the car. And you tried to run away. If I hadn't stopped you, you'd have just left the man lying there. You know something? You don't have anything to worry about as long as you listen to me. You know something? Now your voice fits your face. First it was your face. You spin the wheel on the blue moon. And your voice happened a little while ago, aboard our boat. Wait a minute. It doesn't matter who I am. You hit that man. Ouch! Hey, you out of your mind, lady? Did I pinch you too hard? You're supposed to be dead. Hey, we got a clever one on our hands, Paul. Yeah. She's done being clever. Throw her in the car, Mickey. The boss will tell you where to throw her after that. Welcome, Mr. Slit. I got coffee perking for you in the kitchen. Thanks, King. You didn't have to wait up for me. What I have and have not to do, Mr. Slate, is my own affair. I go bring your coffee. No, no coffee. Stay here, King. Sing to me. Right now I need sleep. I do not think sleep will come to you, Mr. Slate. You just sit there and watch it. It will not come because Miss Salo is not here. She watched the Rome of Anna this time and I'd let her. I got other things on my mind. Two hours ago, there came a phone call. Miss Saylor, scribble address on pad, borrow my auto. Here is the address. I think you better go look for her, Mr. Slate. 
Because you're afraid she'll have gone with that heat. Take 20 bucks out of the register, King. That'll take care of it. Because the call came from Miss Kathy Cameron. Huh? I told you sleep would not come, Mr. Slate. door, mister. Yeah. Banging on the right head. Oh! Ah. Now we'll drag you inside. Come on, up on your feet. Get with it, Buster. Start talking. What's the matter with you? Up. This is where we were ten seconds ago. Start talking. Uh, not gonna get you anyplace, Shannon. You know my name. Huh? That's for taking the liberty. What did you do with Sailor? Blue Moon. She's there. How come she's there? You're going to answer me, Buster, because you happen to be fresh off the Blue Moon. You're the guy who spins the roulette wheel. I tried to frame her. Didn't work. How? Make like hit and run. Blackmail. Little guy, Mickey, used to make a living at it. Run in front of the car, make out he's hurt. People get scared. Pay off. Sailor was too smart. Didn't bite. Same gambit you pulled on Kathy Cameron, huh? Get out of it, Shannon. You know, for a guy who spins a roulette wheel all day, how come you keep one in your apartment? Hobby. Uh-huh. Hobby. And you'll enjoy this. I read where a croupier in Monte Carlo practiced and practiced. He got good. He could put that ball in the black slot or the red slot almost every time he wanted. You're buying grief. He couldn't do it every time, but his average was great. All right, all right. Like you and Norton are doing to Kathy Cameron. Blackmailing her on a hit-and-run caper. She pays off by playing the wheel, loses money every night. Knows it's rigged against her and can't do anything about it. <laughs> Stealing money legal. Uh-huh. Because I woke you from a deep sleep. Oh! I give it back to you. Your boat for hire? Let me hear a number, senor. Five bucks. Not the right number. Try Carlos with the catboat. Ten. Ten bucks. Put your money where my hand is. Here. Eight bucks and change. Blue moon, skipper. She's anchored a few miles out. First, I count the change. Look, you. You want the blue moon, senor? Then let me count the change. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Oh, here is the other penny. You, you almost didn't make it, senor. You want I should wait for you, senor? Yeah, wait. I give you a hand up the side. Now, this rope hanging down from the side, just hold the end of it. I'm going up hand over hand. Pick a cabin, Shannon, and see how your luck is. Sailor. 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 Hey, it's the middle of the night. Yeah, isn't it, though? I'll get back to you. Sailor. Is that you, Slate? Let me in. I can't. The door's locked. You got a hairpin? matter? Night wind playing hard with your hair, too? Slip it under the door. All right, here. Where did you learn how to pick a lock? A friend of mine taught me. Gee, that reminds me, I owe her a letter. I'll stay like this, sailor. It's been too long since I felt your arm against my cheek. Just think. All this while, there's only been a hairpin between... <laughs> Get back in there, sailor. Get your hair up. I'll be back. Can't get away, Shannon. You made a mistake, Shannon. I'm going to find you in that boiler room and kill you. I see you, Shannon. Well, I've got to hand it to you, Shannon. You tried. 
Too bad you had to die on a coal pile. You almost... Come on down to the coal pile with me. I'll bring you. Start with this. I can still hear you. Can't hear you anymore now, Norton. Slade, are you all right? Look, I spoiled the nice clean shirt you washed for me. I'll wash your other one. First, there's a couple of guys on this boat. I've got to collect them for the police. What about Kathy? She's got nothing more to worry about. Her father can get her. Well, it happened again, Slate. You did your good deed, and you got your lumps for it. Don't you get tired of it. Till the next time. Let's get out of here, sailor. Fixed, sailor. The last wire's in place. The bold venture's gonna run like a dream. Fine. Where are we going? Well, I didn't say we were going anyplace. I just said the bold venture'd run like a dream. You want to hear it? If it makes you happy. All right. Wait till you hear that motor purr. What kind of a dream does that sound like? Oh, I had it running a minute ago. Let me try. What'd you do to it? Touched it gently. You want to see how? See? Your eyes, your cheeks, your lips. You purr too, don't you? <laughs> Full speed ahead, sailor. There's a smooth sea tonight. Produced around 1950, uh, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in their uh, series, Bold Venture. I believe they recorded almost 80 episodes, and these were in syndication. I think uh, it also, uh, Bogart uh, liked to do the project because he didn't have to do live uh, radio. They could uh, record it, and so they could like put together a better uh, performance, I guess. And it's probably the use of magnetic tape, a big influence on radio. A lot of great stuff from um, around the early 1950s that you can find. Um, I, of course, found this on the Internet Archive, and uh, you can find Bold Venture and a lot of other great shows there. So this is Fortunato. Uh, We'll be back again next month with more of the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time.